Pastor Xavier Reese and finding security in the midst of trouble. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now God is often through the scripture spoken about as a rock. Something firm, something solid, something I can base my life on. What is your house being built on? Are you only a hearer or a doer? If you're only a hearer, you're building your house in the sand. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. David knew that there was special blessing and protection for the one who sought God so earnestly. It wasn't a promise to prevent all trouble, but to give security and blessing even in the midst of it. David encourages us in Psalm 27 that a life spent seeking God would know a measure of safety and security, even in the presence of enemies all around. Pastor Xavier continues a verse-by-verse series of the Psalms today, touching on the loving kindness of God and one who is worthy to be praised. Let's listen. If you've never read the Psalms, I would recommend that every year, make yourself a pattern to go through the Psalms at least once a year. Proverbs, go through it once a month, one chapter a day. You cover Proverbs 12 times a year. If you're single, you need it. If you're a parent, you'll need it. If you're old, you'll need it. And just when you come, read to receive from the Lord, not on an intellectual level, not to study so much to give out, but to just minister to you. And the Psalms I have found are just tremendous. Um, um, they just encourage you so much. They, uh, I read of real men, and too often we present a picture that really is not Christianity. And so it's important. And the Psalms just... Um, have really helped me in my life a lot, and um, I just, um, just turn to them, just read them. They're soothing. So Psalm 26, it's a Psalm of David. It's a prayer for vindication against his foes. Some um, believe that it was during the time of Absalom as he was pursuing his father. Some of these Psalms are hard to place, but uh, they're roundabout. Uh, the specific is not really important. There's a general application we have to make contemporary application anyway. But this uh, vindication, it's a tendency in our own life. And often in the Old Testament, you read of the psalmist who pray, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. Lord, get them. And yet, in the New Testament, we're to pray for those who despisefully use us, those who persecute us, those who curse us, we're to bless them. And so that's the principle of the New Testament. But at the same time, Paul did pray what is called an imprecatory prayer for God to take vengeance. God says God will reward him according to his deeds. Kind of a little sidestep, but it's still according to that. And yet, we know as we see the world how corrupt it is, that as men continue to reject the gospel of Christ, that we know that God is going to bring vengeance on them. Vengeance belongs to him, Paul says in Romans 12. So we pray that God would deliver them, that God would bring them to the point of salvation. But we also know that those who are out there willfully, purposely, and, and diligently trying to take people away from the gospel, I pray that God intervene and deal with them. Definitely, the occult. Because they are purposely trying to deceive people. And so again, we have to look at the full counsel, not go all extreme to one side and say, well, the New Testament saint never prays like that. He never... 
You have to look at the council. You have to look at the situation. What is going on? And so um, in this psalm, in verses 1 through 5, you have the personal integrity that is given of the psalmist. In verses 6 and 8, the personal worship of God. In verse 9 through 12, his cry out for redemption. And so he says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. And so he confesses his own commitment to God. This is something that is lacking today, commitment. Now, we can say a lot of things, but we have to make sure that we can back our words up with our life. We're not perfect, but I have to make sure that I am walking in a purposeful, diligent pursuit of God. And if not, then my words really mean absolutely nothing. But David says here that, you know, he has trusted in the Lord and he shall not slip. That's interesting to me. Most of us plan to slip or feel that we're going to slip, so we say, well, what's the use? But David says, I'm trusting in you, Lord. I'm not going to slip. You see, his confidence was not in himself. His confidence was totally in God. I mean, when the kingdom, God had promised the kingdom to him, and then Saul didn't want to give it up. And, you know, everybody was saying, come on, David, we can kill him. He's in the cave right now. Let's do this. Let's do that. And he says, hey, listen, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. If this is God's plan, then God's going to bring it to pass. What a wise man. You know, once you try to usurp your authority and to strive to attain, then once you attain it, you have to strive to maintain it. And as Christians, we say, Lord, you know, if, if that's the way you have it, fine, but I'm going to trust you. And, and it doesn't look too good, but you know what? I'm not going to slip because you're on my side. And so he cries out and he says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and heart. Is he saying he's perfect? Never. What is he saying? Lord, I'm open. I want to know when I'm wrong. You see, you and I should have a desire for God to show us our weaknesses and our areas of failure all the time. You know why? Because they will refine us more and more and more. It will keep us open to be used of God. When you get up in the morning, you look at a mirror. You look at a mirror to, to correct what is wrong. How many young ladies ever get up in the morning, you're going to go to work, and one eyelash is down here and the one over here, and you say, oh, it's okay, and you, and you shine on what you see? Of course you don't. You look in the mirror to correct us so you can look your best. We look into the Word of God and we open our hearts to God so that we can be our best. That's the whole purpose of studying, meditating, and seeking God. Not to appear pious, not to impress people, but I want God to do work in my life because I need it. Because in a natural bent, I lean towards evil. And so do you. On a natural grade, I deteriorate. I don't excel. I need the Word of God. I need the Spirit of God. I need for God to show me where I am lacking. And so I want Him to examine me. Try my heart. Prove me like metal that's put to the heat, silver and gold. All the junk comes forward. But when that junk is taken off the top, what are you left with? A pure metal. And that's what he wants of your life and mine. A pure relationship. Something that man's of value. Something that's a substance where you can grab a hold of somebody and you're sharing the Lord. And you're not giving just words, but you're giving life because you're living it. You know what Christianity is about. And that's the only legitimate ministry. And that's what David is talking about. He says, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals. The word walk means of progress. He used it in the first verse. He uses it here in the third verse. Whenever you speak of walking, you're speaking of going somewhere. You're speaking of progress. You're speaking of fellowship. He says he hasn't sat with idolatrous mortals. Kind of reminds us of Psalm 1. I have not walked. I have not stood. I have not sat. There's a progress there. And he says, I am contrary to those who don't love you, nor will I go 
in with hypocrites. The word hypocrite's an actor. You know, someone who acts one way with some people and another way the other way. They see you and say, oh man, you're so neat. Then you walk away and somebody else comes by and say, well, he's a jerk. <laughs> hypocrite. Now we all know what that's like because we were all in the world at one time or another. And we did that. But you know what? We can still do it in the Lord. We may spiritualize it, say, well, you know, I, I want to share something with you because, you know, uh, this brother, and I want you to just kind of, careful, careful. It's a lot more important to talk to God about men than to talk to men about men. And if something's shared with you in confidence or if you see something in somebody else, you make sure that love covers a multitude of sins first and you take it to God and you make sure you're not slandering, you're not backbiting, you're not destroying your fellow man and disguise it in spiritual terms. David is showing his integrity here, his life, what it's made of. He says, I have hated the congregation of the evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. See, when you're sitting, you're walking, you're in progress. When you stand, your attention is caught and you're really considering things. When you sit, you're sucked in. You're there. You're part of the council. He says, I have not done any of these things. And so in verse 6, he says, I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord. It reminds us of the priest in Exodus as he went before the tabernacle and he washed in a labor of brass and he cleansed himself purely first before he went in to offer sacrifice. He's talking about fellowship. He's talking about offering sacrifice. He's talking about coming before the Lord and getting right. He says, I'm not only coming with a sacrifice before the altar, but first of all, I want to cleanse myself completely ceremonially so that you can see my heart. I want to be right with you. This is the human responsibility to pursue God. And yet we know that we cannot pursue God unless God draws us by His Holy Spirit. A mistake to think is that I am the one who acts. Really, it's God who initiates and I respond. It's always He. Nothing ever comes of me myself. But if He hadn't touched my life, I would still be spiritually dead and I couldn't respond even if I wanted to. Now, though you're spiritually dead, you can be very religious, but have no sense of spirituality at all. And there are a lot of religious people who are spiritually dead. And their assurance is a false assurance. They go to church, they're involved in works, but they have no living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he says that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all of your wondrous works. Notice he comes with an attitude of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. He recognizes that it's God who's working on his behalf. He recognizes that he owes everything to God. His wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do you love to be with God's people? Do you love to study the Word of God? Do you love to be prepared so that way you can go out and just hit the world? That's what it's about. He's saying, man, Lord, I just love it when I'm with you because it prepares me to go out and to, you know, share your glory. I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, it's heads, I'll go to church tonight and tails, I'll stay home and watch TV. You know, is it Jesus or football today? Which one is it going to be? That's not David's attitude. Remember when David came in and he had the city and the man, the Lord had given him the kingdom and, and he started thinking and contemplating. He says, you know, the Lord's out there in a tent. I'm going to build him a house. I mean, his heart was with God. And he went after the ark and you know the story, Uzzah touched it and he fell and he died and then he went back and did right sacrifices and brought it in and David loved to be where God was. That was a physical presence. That's the way God manifested his blessing in those days. David wanted to be with God. This is to be our heart's desire, man. Don't get caught up with the fellowship, with the pastor, with, with the things that are going on in the church. But are you caught up with Jesus Christ? Are you in love with Jesus Christ? 
Does Jesus Christ turn you on? Do you wake up in the morning and say, oh, Lord, another day out of sight? Or do you say, oh, Lord, get it out of my sight another day? <laughs> What's your response when you wake up in the morning? I mean, God knows your days. He wants to use you. He says, do not gather my soul together with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. He says, don't, don't put me with them, Lord. There's a distinction. There's a difference. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregation, I will bless the Lord. This is the man of God, the woman of God. Never perfection, but there's a hunger. There's a thirst. Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Many people often say, well, you know, I, I just can't get fed. I'm not being fed there. That's a worse commentary on you than it is the pastor or the Bible. I don't care if a man would just sit up here and read without any commentary. You should walk out of here blessed because you have God's spirit. This is God's word. And if your heart is open, God will speak to your heart. So when you say you're not getting fed wherever you're going, that's a worse commentary on you because you're really revealing your spiritual condition. You're revealing the hardness of your heart. And often we, we say things that we don't think through. I mean, you have the Spirit of God. You can open the Word of God and God's Spirit can deal with you. And too often we're coming just to hear what man is going to say and we're not even open to God. You need to be open to God to see what He's going to do for you and tell you. That's important. In verse 12 he says, My foot stands in an even place. In the congregation I will bless the Lord. Worship. You see, when you're walking with God, you, you end up in worship all the time. I mean, that's all you can do. You, you realize how good He is. You, you realize His benefits. You realize His mercy, His grace. You realize His, His power working on your behalf. You're just blessed because you're walking with Him. You don't have your eyes all around comparing, but you're just looking to God, and, 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 and He's the one that's dealing with you. In Psalm 27, we have another Psalm of David. It's a psalm of worship. Some believe there were two authors because the contrast from verse 1 to 6 and verse 7 through 14 is so sharp. Uh, whether it was or not, we don't know. It's a psalm of trust and confidence in God. In the first three verses, we, he expresses his confidence in God. In verses 4 through 6, his delight in God. Verses 7 through 14, we have his prayer. In verse 1 he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now the metaphor and the image of light is used throughout the scriptures regarding God. He's the light of the world. He's the light of life. He's the one who illuminates. He's the one who reveals. He's the one who guides. He's the one who leads. And light is a, a, a symbol that is used often for God. Purity. Direction, illumination. And so here, again, David, he's the light of his salvation. Whom shall he fear? You remember when Abraham came back from the battle of recovering Lot and the rest of the people who were taken captive, he started thinking about all the people who banded together and he said, well, maybe they're going to come against me. And the Lord says, Abraham, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. <laughs> I'm your protector. What are you fearing for? And how often do we read from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it says, stop being afraid. 
Why did God say that to man? Because they were afraid. And anytime you have fear, faith walks right outside the door. Fear and faith cannot stay in the same room. Whenever you're afraid, then your faith goes right out. You don't trust God because then you start looking around and say, well, what am I going to do? And you start plotting to how to handle it yourself. But if you have the fear of the Lord, faith comes alongside. So there's this distinction between fear of the situation and fear of the Lord. Those who fear the Lord are wise, the Bible tells us. That's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of understanding. Because the fear of the Lord is I trust Him, I depend upon Him. But the fear of the situation puts everything back in my lap, puts the ball in my court, and I start figuring out, how am I going to work this out? And I trust in the arm of flesh. And you know and I know, whenever we trust in the arm of flesh, we make it worse. Never have I ever helped out God and helped me out. <laughs> Though I have helped God out many times, I haven't helped me at all. I have to give it back to the Lord. And so he says, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. And so he's declaring his confidence in God. Listen, in spite of the circumstance and situation. You start living your life out by your situation and circumstances, you're going to mess up. Because what you see is not always what you get. And what you get is not always what you see. And you have to trust God's word. If you're walking in obedience to God, whatever happens in your life is there by God's providence, by God's direction. Now, if you're walking in disobedience, then you don't know whether it's God, do you? Then you start freaking out. Then you can't rest. Because then you try to patch up what you think you messed up. And the more you try to patch it up, the bigger the hole gets. So we're to walk in obedience. So whatever comes into my life, I don't have to freak out. I say, Lord, I don't know what's happening, but I know I'm walking with you. Give me wisdom. Give me that peace. And so I find the only time I try to take things into my hand is when I'm walking in disobedience. I try to patch it up. And it just doesn't work. His desire. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That, listen, I will seek. Notice it doesn't just happen. There's personal responsibility here. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. This is His desire. To be before God, to be in His fellowship, to be one with God, to have His presence and His glory. This is His desire. There is such a benefit in fellowship. Anytime you as a Christian forsake the gathering of the saints as the manner of some is, which is to provoke one another to love and good works, you're going to get yourself in trouble. The proverb says that he who, who isolates himself really seeks his own hurt. And if you're a Christian who isolates yourself away from the body of Christ, you're really setting yourself up for a great fall. Because you can't handle it alone. Neither can I. That's why God has given us a family. That's why God has given us fellowship. That's why God calls us a body. And we need one another. And so... His desire is to be in that fellowship with God and the people of God. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now God is often through the scripture spoken about as a rock. Something firm, something solid. Something I can, I can, I can base my life on. The Lord says in Matthew he says that in that day when he returns, and many will say, you know, in that day, I, I will, they'll say, I cast out demons. I did this, I did that. And he'll turn to them and say, you know what? 
I never knew you. And then he says, I will liken that man who hears my word but doesn't do my word as a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms and the winds come, and they will come, his house is wiped out. But the man who hears, and here's the key, and does my word, I will liken him as unto a man who builds his house on the rock. What is your house being built on? Are you only a hearer or a doer? If you're only a hearer, you're building your house on the sand. And the storms will come. When we're young, we think we're invincible. Nothing can happen to us. We're going to live forever. And we don't have any idea what life holds for us in the future. Some of you here have some very tragic futures ahead of you, perhaps. And if you're not grounded in God, they're going to wipe you out. Some of you perhaps won't even be here next year. The Lord will take you home. And if you're not walking with God now, what's going to happen when you receive the news? You see, God wants you to walk with Him. God wants you to put your feet on that solid rock so whatever happens, you know, I was just watching today a program. They're doing a whole thing on the Civil War. And they were talking about Stonewall Jackson as he was in battle and he got shot in his arm and they had to amputate it and he went home and he was making a, a good recovery. And all of a sudden he took a turn for the worse and he got pneumonia and, and the doctor came over to his house and told his wife, your husband's going to die tonight. And so she went into the bedroom and started talking to him and says, you know, the doctor says you're going to die tonight. And he says, oh, no, it's not that serious. And so the doctor came in and talked to him. And, and the doctor says, most likely you will die tonight. And then he turned to him and he says, well, it's good. I always wanted to die on a Sunday. And then his wife began to share with him. He says, you're going to be with the Lord tonight. And through the whole outcome of it, the man was a Christian. And it says that the last word that they heard him say, they said, here he comes. I'm crossing over the river just to rest beyond the trees. What a difference when a man walks with God. I've got a book that tells all the last words of men who have died with the Lord and without the Lord. What a difference. What a difference. I mean, all of us are going to die. If the Lord tarries, man, we're all going to die. And unless we prepare our life for now and what God is doing, then how are we going to meet death? I don't want to meet death with regrets. I want to say, Lord, you know, I ran. I ran my life off. I mean, I ran. I wanted to win the race. I wanted to go for it, Lord. I don't want to just say, oh, Lord, hi, I'm here, and, and sneak in. No way. I want to run. Only one person is going to win that race. And I'll tell you what, if you're running the same race, I'm going to give you a race for your life. I'm going to run. And I hope you're running like that, too. It's important that you make Jesus Christ the most important element of your entire life. Let nothing keep you from Him. That's the rock that you have to build your life on. Not your wife, not your husband, not your children, not your job, not your pastor, not the church building, but Jesus Christ. That's what you have to build on. And if you build on anything else, you're going to wipe out, man. I guarantee you it's just a matter of time. And so David proclaims the, the, the security of that rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. A joy. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with an important perspective of David for the presence of God in the life of the believer. Simple truths drawn from just the first half of Psalm 27. And you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request your own CD copy of this encouraging study from a verse-by-verse study series of the book of Psalms. Today's message is simply titled Psalms, Chapters 26-32 through and is available for only $4 upon request. By the way, we'll be including much more material on the CD than our limited time on the air allows. So once again, the title to ask for is Psalms, Chapters 26-32. through Or you can always just mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths from the Book of Psalms right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com